Pod Boys Productions. Yeah, everyone's asking about the Mr. Irrelevant. And what I've got my sights set on is Mr. Irrelevant. When I first got it, you're thinking, man, Mr. Irrelevant. And I don't want to be that guy. Welcome back to Mr.'s Irrelevant on NFL Niffle Podcast. It's 2019, the year of our Lord. It's your boy, Pod Drew, and it is just several days ahead of Super Bowl 53. That's a big one, I guess. 5-3, you know, I, you know, 50 was, was kind of like the new thing where they bring the L in. Now it's L123 hash marks on there. So it's taking place uh, this Sunday in Hotlanta, Atlanta, where I visited recently. And uh, one of the teams in the Super Bowl is the Los Angeles Rams, which is my new hometown. So some intrigue for me, I guess, with uh, what, all that I just said. And uh, I want to break down the, the big game and all of that. But to do so, let's let's bring in my boy E-Nam over here. How are you doing, sir? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy, Young territorial advantage i don't know <laughs> what is that reference to i don't know you moved out there you give them the old mr's irrelevant bump uh, and i feel like la's got a you know an advantage they play in a warm city atlanta's a warm city patriots uh might suffer isn't Therefore, it a dome now in atlanta though or is that am i wrong about that yeah no it absolutely is yeah <laughs> you saw it hold on let me, let me try to backtrack on your logic for a second here young territorial I mean, you don't need to. <laughs> you're saying a team that's used to playing in cold won't be able to play in the warm weather that's the implication. That's right. They are not used to like their hands. They're they're twice the size they normally are. And that that cold playing team you're referencing, the other team that I didn't mention yet, the New England Patriots. So they don't have much experience in these Super Bowls. So you might be right about that. I also forgot to shoot my shot about my joke about the thing we're not going to be doing today, which is a very timely recap of Better Call Saul season one, which I just finished. Oh, you did. I didn't see the newest season. I, th- I think there's four seasons of that. I've seen the first three. W- what'd you think of season one there? Uh, I mean, it's pretty nice. Like, I don't necessarily ship him and, uh, what's her name, Kim? Kim. Yeah, Kim's a cool character. Yeah, she's cool. I just don't necessarily see them together, which I know, like, from listening to other podcasts, they will be. Oh, well, yeah, but I assume they, I mean, they're not, I don't think they're going to end up together entirely because, you know, it's a prequel show anyway, so. Right, right. Something probably something bad is gonna happen, yeah. But they were together, yeah. I guess there's a couple. I, I mean, I guess I'm spoiling it a little bit. But since you already knew, by the end of season three, they're t- they're together in kind of more ways than one. But anyway, forget about Better Call Saul. But before we get actually into talking all about the Super Bowl here, let's uh, let's do a couple minutes on True Detective, another show I know you've uh, been watching and i just caught up much like the super bowl set in the that's right it will be set not in atlanta but it's in arkansas and i'm mainly bringing it up because that's of course your native land down there and i feel like it's not often a setting for shows movies etc am i wrong about that no the last thing of note that i'm aware of that was set in arkansas was mud that matthew mcconaughey joint okay that was yeah it's a good movie yeah that's a great movie that director is excellent he did that that other one about the boy who had powers, uh, Midnight something. Is he from there? He's from around there. He might be from, like, Tennessee. 
But yeah, Nick Pizzolatto deciding to set, you know, another thing about arcane crimes and like weird people and kind of racism and satanic panics in, uh, you know, my streets, the streets that I used to run. Very interesting for me. Uh, a little, a little surreal, mostly because like the main character, Mahershala Ali, who is killing it this season, uh, mentions that he grew up Catholic, going to a small parish uh, in the country outside Conway, Arkansas, which is literally my hometown, and I'm telling you, there are no Catholic churches outside of the city limits of Conway, Arkansas. Yeah, we've talked about it before because you're not Catholic, right? So, um, right. And uh, you're saying that's so that Pizzolatto got that one wrong. That's it's a little arti- artistic liberty, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, maybe there was one back in, uh, I don't know what, Mahershala's character would have been. What's his name? Hayes? Purple Hayes, right? Yeah. In the 50s or something, there might have been one. I don't know. I, I looked it up. I asked around. Nobody remembers a second Catholic church in the area. Hmm. Well, all right. Artistic liberty, like I said. So the show sucks because of that, right? No, uh, I think it... Uh, so, yeah, I'll ask you more about the Arkansas stuff, but... So far, well, I kind of like binge this one so far, like in the last two days, I watched the first four episodes, which I think is halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually with the Super Bowl tie I found out episode five comes out tomorrow, Thursday, uh, rather Friday, actually, instead of the normal Sunday due to the Super Bowl, I guess. That so makes you sense. Can get that one in. That, that's cool. But um, so far, it's definitely it's a it's a little bit back up to the quality of season one for me, I would say so far. It hasn't done the things that season two did that were stupid. Yeah, I'll and, say that. and in general, with the setting also, I think is part of it. Like, season two is set in, in the L.A. area. I think yeah. this show kind of needs that. Yeah, like, the first one was the Bayou say what type area. This no, is... no, no, go ahead and say what you're going to say. Oh, I'm trying to, part, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to say. It needs that, like, kind of rural-ish setting, I it guess. It needs a woods where you could conceivably believe a coven of witches live. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Or a gang of, like pedophile like captors yeah it's not as creepy as season one so far tonally i don't think but no but i mean i guess the the louisiana area is like that's like a little that's like what it's known for almost kind of but like voodoo and all that anyway but i'm like in this uh is it central Arkansas? well no they're in so the show is in fayetteville right they're in northwest arkansas yeah which is where it's taking place he's just from conway and another thing about arkansas also uh and i promise guys we will get a super bowl talk but uh, I was in Arkansas, as I said, I was in Atlanta, I was doing the whole road trip moving out to LA here, was in Arkansas for like an afternoon, I guess, or, and I, I'd stayed in Memphis the night before and was driving to OKC, so I drove through the whole state, took a couple hours, I think I hit you up then, so we didn't do a podcast last week or the other week for, we didn't, because of my road trip, we weren't able to get one for the championship rounds, which we can talk about too, but I'd mentioned, I think, in our last one, we should do one where I call you from your own home state. That'd be interesting, which, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get that together. But I did hit you up that day. But uh, there wasn't, uh, you didn't really have much for me in terms of uh, stuff to check out or whatever from the home state that I was driving through. So, yeah, it's not really like I was staying there a night or anything. But Yeah, yeah. And if you'd gone through to uh, let the listener into the green room a little bit, if you'd been driving through at lunchtime, like I had mad lunch recommendations prepared for you. I was like going to ask you what you were feeling, what you were interested uh, in. Yeah, were... it's too bad because, yeah. So it didn't work out for lunch because I was like leaving from Memphis, like I said, which is only, it was only like, and I left like kind of early in the morning. So, but I actually ended up stopping for lunch in Fort Smith, I believe it is. And yep. I had a chicken fried steak sandwich, which was actually one of the better things I had on my old trip, I think. And I had a lot of good food, but. I remember that Where was a, in Fort Smith did a you banging sandwich. 
I mean, it, it's like, I looked up a place that's like, it's not a chain, it's but it's it's like a dinery place you would stop on a road trip, I guess. I can't remember what it was called, but it was, it was a very good uh, sandwich, like I said. So I did get something quality out of the AK there. That's what the initials are, right? No, AK's Alaska, oh. AR. Oh, right, AR. The AR there, so sorry. The 501, the 479, the 870. Yeah, I don't know which one I was in there in Fort Smith, but it's Fort Smith by so Fort Smith's not more. It's not by Fayetteville, really. Fort Smith, True is, Detective is. Mm, it's about a forty-five minute drive from Fayetteville. Uh, but the mountains are in the way, so in the olden times, it was a long way away. Fort Smith is close to the border of Oklahoma. It's actually where the girl in True Great goes to like request justice and not get it, and then meet the John Wayne character. Oh yeah, I think you mentioned that before when we were talking Cohen Brothers. Yeah. By the way, check out our Cohen podcast, two-parter. It's part of our Movies Are Relevant subheading and our two most recent episodes, which talk to NFL. They might not be as relevant now for the NFL talk, but if you want to go back to those last two, we talk about some various movies as well. So Yeah, my steaming hot takes about movies are always relevant. Yeah, the favorite, Romo, were the two ones in question there. But yeah, back to True Detective. So yeah, liking the season so far interested to see where it goes like you said Mahershala Ali is killing it doing three different not three different roles the same character timelines three different kind of three different characters though of the same guy a bit yeah three different times of his life 1980 1990 and 2015 I believe it is and whoever does the makeup for effects for the shows yes. I think they get special credit because like he actually a lot of times you can be derailed in, in movie shows when like they when it's the, the younger guy playing the old guy whatever and it doesn't look right, but this actually looks very convincing, I would say. Yeah, quite convincing. Can I ask you, though, are you at all compelled by the like the central crime like you were about Doris Lang or whatever? No, well, not really. I mean, I don't know. Well, what are you going to say about it? It just like feels like the entire season is propped up by like Mahershala Ali, and he's like... His connection to all the other characters is what makes the characters interesting. The case itself is a complete snooze button to me. I don't know. I'm not at all interested in the new clues that they find every week. I'm more interested in, like, what ghosts are going to walk up behind him while he's in his room in the 2015 timeline. Yeah. And, like, finding out what happened between him and the department in 1980 and him and our, our, our other guy in 1990. Yeah, well, with the way it's structured, I think this this season is more about that than the case itself. And his wife. And the people around him are interesting. Uh, like his wife, I'll talk about, I guess, is something going on with her. There's got to be. But also the guy, his, his partner is named Roland, I believe. Yes. The actor Stephen Dorff is also killing it, I think. He's doing really good yes. in that role. I haven't really seen him in two... I mean, I know... I think he used to be kind of like a teen actor or something, or like he... He, like, had a moment, like, years ago kind of thing. I haven't seen him do anything high-profile like this, and he's really good, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember him as the villain from Blade, because um, I was 10 when Blade came out, but that is what the internet keeps saying. Steven right. Dorff, wow, resurrected. I don't... Bl- Blade is, like, kind of a blind spot in my film-watching for some reason. I don't think I've ever seen any of them all the way through. I've extremely seen all three of them, but, like, I couldn't tell you what happens. It's an action movie. He's, like, a little bit of a... A low-rent Dennis Quaid look to him, I guess, I would say. I don't know, like... <laughs> yes. I don't know. Dennis Quaid seems like a low-rent Dennis Quaid to me. I- I'm not fond of his acting or his, like, face. Yeah, he's like... Uh, you know what, though? This dude, Dennis Quaid, I like him all right, but I there's this other show called Fortitude. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's it's a, kind of obscure, but it's on Amazon now, Prime. 
I believe. Is that the one where they're like above the Arctic Circle and there's a Yes, murder? yes, yeah. I've not seen it, but... It's but a, a very, very like weird show. It. Yeah, it's a very weird show. It's the main star. It's an ensemble, but the main star is the guy from who plays Beric Dondarrion in Game of Thrones. Oh. Richard Dormer. Very interesting performance out of him in this. The show does not go at all like how you think it is. Well, it's it's weird, but they added Dennis Quaid into it after the first season. and um, The actor Dennis Quaid, not Stephen Dorff? No, the real Dennis Quaid. Oh, okay. And this okay. dude, let me tell this dude's like 65, I think, something like that. He's jacked as hell, man. He's more jacked than most, like, 25 years old as right. an old man. So I was looking at that like, what the hell? But anyway, he's all right in it. But back to True Detective. So, yeah, you're saying that the yeah the main storyline... Yeah, so I, I do remember being more invested in season one, like, the different clues they're finding. But also, I will say about that, in season one, like, Makane's character is kind of like a savant type of guy... They're, like, very, like, sharp detectives. Yeah. In this one, I feel like they're not really... They're just kind of normal guy, detective guys. Like, they show him uh, Hayes being a good tracker because of the war and all that. And uh-huh. he, they show, like, he's pretty smart, but it's not really the same. Like, it, they're more kind of normal, I feel like. And I think the story is more about, like, what we don't know, piecing together all the timelines. Also because he's shown in the newest timeline when he's the oldest to have what seems to be, like, an early form of, uh, what do you call it, um... Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, or something like that. So he's he might have like forgot about stuff that happened that we're gonna find out. Probably did, I would assume. He's like an unreliable narrator, kind of, which I think is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Most of what I'm interested in this in this season is the details that it's purposely enlightening. Uh, like I want to know what happened between him and his wife, between him and uh, Roland, between like I do want to know what happened with the case, but I don't necessarily want to see him just like running off in the woods and finding a box of like D manuals i mean it's been fine so far that's I, i'm not saying that it's a like i think it's a bad show i just like the case itself is boring to me uh the character work is interesting though yeah and uh also the, uh, the guy's a good actor too plays the dad of the missing kids scoot kids mcnary movie. yeah seeing him in a couple things he's usually good and then what do you think about the i mean obviously this is i guess you were born around the time of the second timeline of the show but Yep. Do you think it's like the racial elements and stuff they're showing is too much, not enough about accurate to the time of that? Especially from 1980, it feels like it would be pretty accurate. I mean, I don't know how to say this without derailing the podcast. Uh, my parents ran a like s- Southern food, soul food restaurant uh, back home that I worked in for a long time in high school and college. Really? The number of times someone like casually said the N-word to me like it wasn't a thing. Yeah, the racial politics of this show are believable. Okay, I, I figured that was probably the case, but... Yeah, but yeah, I was even saying, I don't know if it's... I mean, the the one scene I'm especially thinking of... Well, there's a scene with Scoot McNary where he says the word, but then he's, like, very contrite about it. Like, he yeah. clearly feels bad. But the more interesting scene, I thought, was with, like, that old lady who made those dolls. She just can't, like... He's, like, trying to get more description on the black guy. She said she's sold them to i already told you he was black yeah and that's like the only oh well because he has the eye thing too i guess but that's the only yeah. other thing she knows like yeah um and like he does really good acting there ali where you see like he kind of rolls out or just like the look he gives it like and they kind of like stare at each other like so it's yeah it's funny and then we so then we also see that the rolling character i guess in by 1990s got a nice picture with uh with bill clinton there so uh, i guess he was governor at the time yeah and but so we don't know i mean part of that could be racially motivated but i don't something more must have happened than just like getting passed over for a promotion to the hayes character because he like didn't even just get 
not promoted like Roland. He's like bumped down to desk duty or whatever. So there's something so, so like we're halfway through the show so far. Maybe we can talk about it when it's over. But um, I'm kind of yeah, I'm interested in that too. Which again, like you're saying, is about the character. But like what what happened in 1980 where that would have he must have bucked against them the brass for some reason, right? Yeah, I'm feeling just because of pacing in shows that I've been watching television for 28 years and episode six uh, reveal the, of like on two different timelines, but not a third uh, where we're like we get the information we've been waiting for about like what happened between him and his wife or what happened between him and Roland in the department or like what happened in the case in 1990 that they feel like they did wrong all these years later. Some of those questions are going to get answered in episode six, I think. And like, I just hope it's not disappointing. Yeah, me too. And then, so, like, yeah, last thing about it, and then we'll get to football talk. With the wife character, we'll talk about her for a minute. Good performance, too, I guess, but it's a strange character that... Are you getting the sense, like, she's... There's something up with her, right? You get the sense, like, She's extremely like that. hiding something, yeah. Yeah, but the question is, is it just... Is it something relevant to the actual disappearance of the, you know, or the death and all that of, of like, the crime, I mean, I guess, like... No. Or is it just... I kind of think the character's operating on that other, like, B-plot, not not B-plot, but, like, subtextual level, where, like, the season's actually about the shit that we hide from each other, and not necessarily about this case. Yeah, something clearly went wrong in her past, and she doesn't like to talk about herself, and that's, like, A, her number one character trait, and B, like, I'd like a reveal on that. I would say her number one character trait is, like, her, she's, like, in, curious about stuff, or, like, investigating, or she likes to, like pretend to be something she's not kind of like she even tells him like i sometimes i pretend to be a different person and like go to a different city or something for like a weekend you're right you're right you're right which is weird and then or it's weird at least taking the rest of her character and then like she goes to there's a whole good scene where she goes to the the grieving mother what's something she definitely didn't need to do like bringing their like the kids stuff or whatever yeah at that point she's on unofficial police business (laughs) But she's but no one told her to do that, you know. Exactly. I mean, like so. Yeah. And then there's the, the scene. I think it was in the most recent episode, maybe maybe the epi- uh, maybe episode three, where they're like in 1980, where they're having their first kind of date thing. That's where she also won't reveal a lot about herself. But she's like seems to know stuff about. That's the one too. Like it might be a red herring, but I don't know if she's involved or not because like, I feel like in that scene she lets slip a couple of things that like she probably shouldn't know or whatever. Ooh. Interesting. I genuinely, like, I, I didn't hear that, uh, and I don't think that she's involved in the crime, but if, like, she knows more than she's letting on about whatever mysterious cabal of Arkansas political figures or, or powerful agents otherwise are doing this to kids in the area, that'd be that'd be interesting. It might be annoying if, if we find out that that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess it's got to see how it's, how it's done, but... Because also we don't really know in the future where... I guess she's supposed to be dead, but again, he's like kind of unreliable as a narrator because of his apparent disease or whatever. Yeah. And then he's like a daughter. We don't really know if she's alive or not. Like all this She's stuff, so. alive. She just doesn't want anything to do with him. The uh... Well, that's what they tell him, but... Fair. Yeah, that's fair. But, like, the way they, they're they acting, I, I don't know. Anyway, it's interesting. I'm, I'm definitely, like, yeah, I'm liking the season again here. I think it helped by kind of binging it a little bit this time. Yeah. But, uh, which I won't be able to do for the back half, obviously. Well, I guess I, I, no, that's not true. I could do it. But I probably won't because I won't want to wait at this point. Anyway, yeah, maybe we'll talk about it again when, when the second half's over. But, yeah, so a little, it wasn't movies are relevant today, more TV are relevant. But 
TV really is movies nowadays, especially with the HBO prestige drama and all that, right? When you're right, you're right. So we can look forward to episode five Friday, Sunday. Let's get back to it. Atlanta. We got to talk. Well, let's talk about first the, the championship games. I was in Vegas for that. I was still on the road trip, stopped in Vegas. The sports book lost a little bit of money. You know how it goes. I had a nice parlay on the Chiefs and the uh, Saints. <laughs> I got about half my money back. by So after after that one obviously went south, I was like, I got to get try to get some money back here. So I put the over on the second game, which was looking mm. very bad for a while. Yeah. Luckily, there was a lot of scoring at the end, and he went to overtime and all that. So I got I only lost about half the amount of money I would have, but anyway it was still fun being there. It was cool like seeing like how the sports books are like ever like that was the only thing going on there. Like, everyone was watching the game, you know. Of course, course basically, it would be cool to go to the Super Bowl too. Obviously, I won't be doing it, but in the future sometime, I, I feel like it would be cool to watch it there. You know, mo- most people were cheering for those Chiefs. Didn't happen, but do you think this is of the possibilities from the four teams? So. The, there's, I guess, what, three different possibilities of games? Yeah. You think this is the least satisfying? Because I, I would have to say it is. Yeah. I really, really wanted Saints-Chiefs. And probably of the other two, other three, I guess, possible matches. Like, oh, yeah, there's four possibilities, I guess, not three. This is the one I'm least interested in. First of all, I don't know. I just don't know dick about this season's Patriots. Like, I, I don't know anything about them. I've been saying for two weeks, like, there really doesn't seem to be, like, any way they can win this game, right? And they keep winning these fucking games. It's four years ago. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, we'll have to get more into it in a minute and try to figure that out. But yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah, we I, we were dismissing them kind of, not dismissing them, but, and a lot of people were that I heard talking about it. Like, it didn't seem like they had the team this year, but then we see what happens. But yeah, so that if, if it had to be the Patriots, so obviously the Breeze-Brady matchup would have been ideal, you know. And that's why also people say that it's rigged and stuff, you know, but I don't think the league is rigged. I think this proves it's not rigged because why wouldn't the league want that good matchup? Yeah. Brees versus Brady. Yeah. I think it just shows the refs are just utterly incompetent, basically, right? Well, yeah. I mean, blatantly, it is it is clear to the public that the, the call was blown uh, in the Saints-Rams game. And we have a team in the Super Bowl who probably shouldn't be there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was an egregious call. We don't really need to talk too much about it. It's probably been talked to death already by the yeah, time we're I mean, even getting around to it. But They did everything else on every other play of the game. They won the game, whatever. But, like, that call is gross. The call was terrible. The Saints disappointed me, though. I don't know why they didn't play well in the game in general. Yeah. Especially at home. With, their offense just sputtered. I know that Rams D is good, but... Yeah, very disappointing for me there. And, obviously, Rams... Uh, Back if they still won and then the Chiefs won, that's a great offensive matchup. But so let's say the Rams do have to win at least Rams Chiefs, which almost looked like it would be there. Uh, that would be like a rematch of the big what a lot of people thought the best regular season game was or one of the best. Yeah, that Monday night game, definitely the best Monday night game in years. That should have been in Mexico City, but got moved that one. So that would have been a good. So I mean, this is the one. Yeah, this is like the wild card matchup, I guess. Rams Pats. I guess, like, the most interesting thing about it historically is that it was Rams-Pats that started this. That was the Brady and Belichick's first Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So it could be historic in multiple ways here. If the Pats win, it's like Brady goes out in the same way. Except I don't actually think he is going to go out, so that one probably doesn't matter. But 
Like, you don't think he's going to retire regardless of what happens this year, right? Uh, I mean, he said there was a 0% chance. Okay, so he even said that, yeah, so, alright. I don't know, it does feel apropos that, like, 20 fucking years later, it's Super Bowl week, and we still have to have the conversation about, like, Brady and Belichick, the legacy, all the years in between, what if, what if, what if, I, and here we are again, talking about them. It's their ninth appearance. Yeah, every conversation has been had already, and it, it makes, like, a lot of this discourse really inane to me. They're here. They're, they're always really good, uh, sometimes confoundingly, as in the case of this season. Whatever. Now, all I was going to finish with saying was, like, about the historical stuff is if they lose to the Rams, and then let's say they never do get, which is maybe a stretch at this point, but they never get back to another one, it would be interesting that the same team, even though in the new city, whatever, ended his run, too. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm rooting for, obviously. And no surprise, probably. I'm, not, I'm rooting for my new hometown team here. Which it doesn't seem You're like... You're not going to jump on the Chargers bandwagon? Well, I'm just talking about in this game, but... Okay. But if I if I had to pick anyway, since my main team is in the AFC, I'm never going to pick another AFC team, probably. Right, right. Especially if I have two options here. Coward. Are you calling me Colin Coward? <laughs> no, I'm calling you a coward. Hmm. It does not compute. Well, the Chargers are one thing, how they have no fans, basically, but it doesn't seem like... At, at Vegas, actually, there's a couple of people in... Rams jerseys I saw. The buses I've noticed here say go Rams on them, but in general, it doesn't seem like LA cares about the Rams too much, so I don't... Uh, even if they win this Sunday, I'll be interested to see what the celebration around town is, basically. Yeah, I mean, as long as Stan Kroenke is too interested in the Rams to buy Arsenal some defenders, I'm fine. Go Tottenham. Oh yeah, because you're anti-Arsenal, got it. Is there anything you want to mention then or talk about from the championship games, like Obviously, in the, the blown call in the first game, the second game was more of a back and forth, and then the Pats do it again at the very end, like pretty reminiscent of some of their past Super Bowl wins, I guess. Yeah. So um, the only bit of analysis that is really fresh on my mind from two weeks ago when we, when we saw those games is that Drake posted a photo of himself wearing each team's logo on a black sweatshirt because the internet knows that every time Drake roots for a team in a high-profile game, that team loses. Uh, he wanted to help these teams avoid the Drake curse by just rooting for everybody. And of course, no team won those games in normal, like, within 60 minutes. Both games went to overtime. Uh, that's really the only bit of analysis that I have. I think I missed some... I thought you for a second you are saying he wore a Pats and a Rams. Which teams did he wear? He wore a black sweatshirt with each of those four teams' logos Oh, four it. teams. Got it. Got it. Hmm. Well, I hate Drake's, though. <laughs> I, I'm a bit fond of Drake. I haven't listened to rap in like a hot minute, though. I don't either, current, because I think it sucks now, but there's my hot take. But And, and a quick aside, too, by the way, to the halftime show, which I have no intention of watching this year. I think... Oh, yeah, fuck that. And I've said it before. I really think Maroon 5, is, who's doing the show, apparently, is maybe the worst band of all time that I've ever heard. I cannot stand them at all. Yeah, well, like, they're the last gasp of the monoculture where, like, you're going to hear every Maroon 5 song because someone decided you are. I get. I mean, I could maybe name three Maroon 5s. They have the one, like, about j- moves like Jagger. Right? Yeah, you I don't, could I... name three of them because, like, you're, you're, you're cool and you lived in Brooklyn for a long time. But, I'm like, you know 25 of them. But I still, I don't think I do, but I don't know, maybe. But, yeah, ones I have heard, I, I just think it has, like, the the least soul of any music like the yeah they're bad and they're annoying and they're completely vacuous and that's exactly like 
They are Bruno Mars with guitars. Yeah, and this is for Atlanta Super Bowl, which is a great music city, too. It just makes it even more annoying. I know they don't always match up the city. Well, yeah, but... why are Future and Big Boy and T.I. not doing this Yeah, concert? apparently Big Boy is, like, cameoing or something. Right, but, right. You know, whatever. But at least it's not Maroon 5 featuring Drake. That would be the ultimate in bad. But anyway, yeah, I don't intend to. If I'm somewhere watching the game, hopefully this. The sound won't be on for that one. No, I'm just going to go have a cigarette like I did last year when it was Justin Timberlake. Yeah. I, I mean, I still watched that one. Like, it was fine. It was whatever, you know. It, it didn't, like, offend my sensibilities. Everything about Justin Timberlake in the last 10 years offends my sensibilities. By the way, shout out to your boy there. It's his birthday today. Who? Uh, Justin Timberlake. Oh, nice. Make an album that sounds like Future Sex Love sounds again. <laughs> yeah, me and him are one day removed in our birthday, so he almost had it right. But it's your birthday Saturday? Uh, no, it was yesterday. Motherfucker, you didn't like. I did not know that. Happy birthday, dog. Thanks, man. Yeah, I noticed I didn't get any message. You, <laughs> you, you didn't, because I don't know when your birthday is. No, it's quite. It's quite all right. So we, uh, another aside here. You want to know what I did on my birthday yesterday? I just Obviously. like I've been saying, I just moved to a new city where I don't really know that many people, and. What I am able to do in my new city now, which I certainly was never able to do anywhere else I've lived on my birthday, I went to Six Flags, my man. I, I rode roller coasters yesterday. There's a Six Flags in Los Angeles? It's called Magic Mountain. Yeah, it's about half an hour north of LA. This changes everything for me. It was dope as hell. They have a lot of good coasters there. That's why I wanted to go in the first place. I'm a pretty big coaster fan. I come from like Cedar Point territory, which is a big yep, yep. coaster place in Ohio. But uh, anyway... That's what I did on January 30th, the year of our Lord, 2019. It was a beautiful 75 and sunny yesterday. By the way, how's that polar vortex or whatever it's called going back here? Yeah, I've been bitching for weeks about looking at the weather channel and seeing, like, other than a high of 19 dip today, yesterday and today, just, like, seeing highs in the mid-40s for, like, the entire fucking month of February or whatever. But today was pretty bad. It was very cold. Just snuggling with these cats. 15 degrees in New York, I think I saw. And yeah. it's worse a lot of other places. Like we're in Cleveland, it's it was negative 2 yesterday, I think. Windshield negative 30. In Chicago over the weekend, um, my little brother, uh, who like has a young baby or whatever, <laughs> or was whatever. negative 20, feels like negative 45. And like their front door had warped a bit and wouldn't shut. Wow, that's not good. Yes, yeah, it was, seems like a nightmare. Uh, we're, we're canceling the Midwest. Yeah, it's canceled. Swaddle that baby, though. But yeah, that's so. This is so. It's very. Uh, it was very surreal for me. Uh, again, having this the birthday at that time of year used to. I mean, maybe if it's who knows what the weather is up and down, but certainly never anything like that. And you're never gonna have winter again. No, I haven't. It did rain today, though, which apparently is also very rare and around here. But right. luckily, it wasn't yesterday. All right, so that was my quick aside there. Back to whatever aside we were already on. Yeah, so. Weather doesn't matter for this game. The yeah, we'll just get into it. Uh, Pats, Rams. If I just ask you, like, do you have? I, I think I would know what the answer is, but do you have a good feeling on who you think's gonna win this? Trey Flowers went to Arkansas, and he's one of the key pieces of the New England Patriots defense. So, I feel good about the Patriots' chances. Is he Catholic? I don't know if he's Catholic, but if he did, he went to a small parish outside Conway, which definitely existed. Don't look it up. It could be important for this, so I don't know. You should find that out. But in all seriousness, though, you don't really, you wouldn't be able to, like, 
definitively say one way or the other, right? No, this is a weird fucking game. I just still can't get it out of my head that I don't have any idea how the Patriots could win this game, which kind of tells me that they definitely will. And this is all magical thinking, obviously. Yeah. I don't get them. Like, I, I, I have nothing to say about them. Well, I said we would try to figure it out, so let's try right let's now. Let's try. When the playoffs started... All right, so they had gotten their bye week, as they always do, but it was it was closer this year. They lost to the Steelers, right, toward the end of the regular season. Yeah. Brady played bad. They still have their easy schedule with their shitty conference, so people are able to say, all right, they, of course they had a good record still, but they didn't look as good. And they didn't really look as good from watching the games. But then as soon as the playoffs happens, they buzzsaw right through those Chargers, which who are looking like the week before played great and we're looking like the hot team i was thinking maybe they're yeah. super bowl bound finally same complete buzzsaw then last week more back and forth but chiefs obviously a very good team as well and when they need to get it done they get it done especially on offense so yeah also it's an offensive year which suits them because their defense isn't that great but their defense is okay they can make some plays but i'm i'm assuming we would think this i gotta look at what the over under is for this game but we're assuming this is going to be an offense game, right? Super Bowl. Although it was last year. Well, that doesn't mean it can't be two years in a row. But Yeah, it just feels like... But they lost last year with a big offensive game. They did lose last year. In an offense-heavy game where the defensive line of the other team was the major feature of that defense, like it has all... And, and their offense wasn't what it has been in years past, and their defense definitely wasn't playing up to par. It has all the marks of just like, yeah, we're gonna hit this we're gonna hit this note again. This is the Super Bowl that we get. But also Belichick defenses always get more out of the some of their parts than they do the parts. Or than than you would think looking at the parts. And he's gonna take away the two things two of the top three things that you do say and force you to do one thing over and over again because that's what he does and somehow find a way to beat you, which, like, for the Rams, is, like, the play action that got them here. And when they weren't able to do it against certain defenses later in the year, like the Cowboys, it just feels like Jerry Goff isn't quite ready to, like, put the entire team on his back and, like, win a game if he has to do that. They're very good at these, like, playing within the script. And you just know Belichick's going to make it to where you can't do that. But also, I don't see this Patriots team having that in them. Well, let's backtrack for a second, because before talking about how they match up with the Rams, like I'm still trying to figure them out. What are the things that they took away, or where do you think Belichick focused in that Chiefs game, and what did they take away or try to? Kelsey. They took away Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And the tight end does seem historically to be a thing there. When when the team has like a, a big tight end or a good tight end stud, they seem to be able to take that away a lot. I mean, they weren't really able to take away Mahomes, which I would think you would focus on, too. Right. Well, I mean, Mahomes is Mahomes, and I think probably Belichick knows that. They definitely, like, Travis Kelsey wasn't a factor, and they the Chiefs couldn't really run the ball either. I think those were the two things, if you ask me who is not a full-time football analyst, that they keyed in on and stopped in that game. And def- on defense, and then on offense, I guess they ran the ball a little bit more than they normally have. Like, I felt like, because, like, the, the KC also has a bad run defense. Yeah, they ran the ball more than they normally would with, like, great success. So that's what they did in that game. And it was still like, yeah, do a lot of play action and just over the middle to Edelman or whoever, just those dink and dunk. Like, that's, I mean, that's just what they're able to do. And it, like, seems to never not work or hardly ever not work. Exactly. Uh, as long as there, there's not immediate pressure, which there usually isn't now because the line's good enough to stop that immediate pressure. 
Now they got to face up Aaron Donald, who's maybe the best in the game at bringing that pressure. But yeah, I mean, I would assume that would be a thing they'll focus on. I don't know if it's possible, but to shut him down completely. But you know, Brady hasn't been sacked really this playoffs. He still has made some mistakes. Like he threw two picks in that game, I think, in the Chiefs game. Uh, yes, he did. So you would want to see that if you're on the Rams, I guess, continue that. And the Rams secondary is a bit better than the Chiefs secondary. Yeah, definitely. You know, they still have got Tlaib, former pet. Super Bowl champion Aqib Tlaib. Uh, that's right. He's been played in, he's played in a few now, I guess. Or or was he only in the Pets for one of theirs? I don't know. Uh, he played with Denver, too. That's right, yeah. So he's been on a bunch. Yeah, but it's mainly their pass rush that's, like, the big. Or their um, D-line that's, like, where the studs are on the Rams. Yeah, for sure. They have Indomitian, too, and all that as well. Uh, defensively, I mean, of course. Then, yeah, it's like you're saying about Goff. It is hard to see. Well, let's talk about it this way. How do you compare Goff versus your favorite, uh, Nick Foles, who you say is a terrible quarterback, even though he's won a lot of playoff games in the last two years? Not this didn't get it. Uh, who did they lose to this year then? The uh, the Rams? The Saints? The Saints. Or was it the, yeah, the Saints? It was the Saints. But won one game before that. Obviously won against the Pats in the Super Bowl last year. So I'm bringing this up because you would say, like, last year would have been like, oh, I can't really see Nick Foles coming in and win this game, but he did. So how do you compare him to Goff? I don't know. I think Jared Goff's a better quarterback than Nick Foles. Nick, uh, Foles has been with the Eagles for a very long time, and, like, I get that, like, Doug Peterson is a different coach than Andy Reid and Chip Kelly were. He knows that team, and, and he was ready to pick up the offense, and they did a great job of tailoring that offense around him. And the Eagles' defensive line won that game for them. I feel like Jared Goff can do just enough. Like, my issue is, like, you know Belichick's going to take one thing away from you. If his defense stops the stops you from successfully running your play-action plays 65% of the time, what like, what is left of you? And from the regular season, we, we have evidence that Jared Goff is not ready to take over games when he's not running on script, when he's not um, getting to use the play-action as a cushion. But then, like, what if that just works? What, what, what if the Patriots cannot take it away? What if they sell out to stop that and it just keeps working? I don't know, man. Yeah. I think he's better than Nick Foles, though, to answer your question. Well, yeah, I mean, I thought you might even take it more strongly than you did. <laughs> just saying he's better. You think he's better, but, um... Well, yeah, he's the number one pick in the draft, all this stuff, uh, of course, even before we see him on the field. So the pedigree is higher, obviously. But he's a little... Yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised with him this year, how well he played. I didn't really think I would see it that as much... And we're always trying to figure out, too, how much is on McVeigh and the scheme and everything. Now, when it comes to coaching, all right, so quarterback matchup, we, we didn't exactly go head-to-head, but we're saying it's kind of hard to, you know, obviously the somewhat unknown quantity versus one of the most known quantities. When it comes to coaching now, another uh, youth versus experience type of thing. I mean, I it's kind of hard. Obviously, Belichick's probably going to have the edge over most anyone, but... You think McVeigh will have something up his sleeve here to combat that? Man, I don't know. It's like Bill Belichick's a mastermind, and Sean McVeigh is, at this point, well-known for drawing great offensive plays, and his team loves him, loves playing for him. And wearing khakis. Yeah, and he's, like, extremely fucked up in, like, game situations before, like, in, like notably. So he's not, he's not a genius yet by, by any stretch. Yeah, well, at least, I don't know if you say not a genius because of that, but at least in terms of, like, you never, someone who's, like, really good at managing the clock and anything like that, you don't usually call them a genius, but you might call them a genius if they, if they 
create like amazing play calls and all that right so like right but anyway that, that's just like a parlance thing but yeah i, I agree He's, he has made some mistakes i mean belichick once in a while will make a mistake obviously that super bowl that they did win but he still messed up against the seahawks carol just screwed up more but um yeah so yeah, yeah. It, it has happened before we'll be interested to see that you know again it would be more interesting if it was the saints in there but uh, with the two veteran coaches there too but I don't think that you could say the gap is like too crazy, even with some mental mistakes by McVeigh. I do think he'll, I think both coaches basically will have, we'll see something that certainly we're not able to see, but like that most people wouldn't see watching the tape of these and then key in on like a couple of specific things. You know who is going to see it? Uh, oh, what? Oh, Tony who? motherfucking Romo. Oh, yeah, let's talk about that too. The Super Bowls on CBS this year, which means. Romo's in the big chair with Jim Nance there. What's his name? Phil Simms. Is he just, just like so pissed that he basically got replaced by Romo, or did he want to step down? I'm wondering. I was wondering about that. I hope he's pissed. Me too, because I don't like him. But anyway, the, yeah, Romo became a meme essentially the, uh, during the uh, end of that game, the championship game, where like yeah, he like I think someone broke it down or like posted the video all edited together. He literally of the Patriots last like 11 plays of the game or something like that before it happened he called like every single one yeah almost exactly what happened like it's ridiculous too bad he couldn't you know it's uh not that he didn't have a pretty good career but too bad he couldn't uh you know do something like that as a player you know like be able to figure out exactly what the defense is going to do every time yeah it's a real big shame they didn't let him pick all the players and call all the plays yeah i mean but he gets still audible and everything like he still had some control he was great at audibling Kill, kill, kill. Uh, well, we, we could see why now. So, are we going to... I mean, I assume we're, we're going to be in for more of that with this Super Bowl here. I really hope so. There was... I was hearing on another podcast. Shout out other podcast. Still doubt, uh, subscribing to the other podcasts, huh? I don't... I really don't get what you see in that... That's fair. ...apparent show, but uh, whatever. I was hearing on another podcast that, like, he hasn't done it for a while. It was a big thing, like, the first eight weeks of last season... That's true. Earlier this year, like, he was not doing it. And then all of a sudden, like, we all remember together that he is capable of doing this when he was just like, man, I think they want Gronk, Gronk as a blocker here. And if, if that's the case, you want to watch Julian Edelman over the middle. And then that's exact, the exact play that they call. I wonder why. Because, like, it doesn't seem like he would just stop doing it for whatever reason. I wonder if he was like, maybe I'll try to broaden my scope a bit about what i'm going to talk about well, or it was, was like the, not to. the network yeah that's what i was going to get into maybe the network's like but people obviously like it so maybe the network is like oh wait people actually do like this so start doing it i don't know it's kind of strange but i love him so much yeah so this is yeah this is the best i guess uh we could have got for announcing this year but back to the game itself then let's look at it this way for the rams to win what will they need to do we'll start with offense you were saying about their play action, right? That's like one of their big go-tos. So they'll need to mix it up with the run a bit to make that work, which I think they should be able to do, right? They've been very effective running the ball in this playoff so far, especially Even with... Even without Todd Gurley, yeah. Yeah, well, especially with a big boy, CJ Anderson, which... Now, I remember seeing him, obviously, in the past. He wasn't this thick. No, I was confused. And then even, like, earlier in the season, I thought, did he pull, like, some Christian Bale 
you know, <laughs> yes. or whatever, De Niro, whatever actor you want to use, like, bulking up in, like, three, four weeks or something like this, like, just to be, like, uh, Lendell White or whatever. <laughs> God. He's... What a good version of that. Yeah. Yeah. They're good at running the ball, and I think that they're going to need to obviously have success at that in order to make the threat on the play action credible. And uh, Gurley, you mentioned, because he hasn't been playing as much because he was hurt, and they were getting rolling with CJ, but uh, presumably he'll be in the best shape since his injury, since it's been two more weeks, right? So Right, right. I would think he'd factor more than he has so far this playoffs. Yeah, like, you hope that he's more of a factor than he was. I mean, if you're a Rams fan, you hope that he's more of a factor than he was in the championship round. I don't know what's up with him, but, like, it could be literally anything. It could be a physical thing. It could be, like, he was just in his head. Uh, it was the first time he's been on a stage this big. Um, it could be a combination of both. Uh, like, whatever. But you want... Like, he's obviously, like... Picking a team from scratch, you want Gurley over C.J. Anderson or, or whoever is the backup for C.J. Anderson. Uh, unless it's a pie-eating contest or something. <laughs> yes, Putting exactly. Putting together for that, yeah. So hopefully he's ready to go so we get get a better matchup or get a better game. And I don't know. They definitely need to be able to run. They definitely need to be able to play out of the play action. And Goff needs to pick the right throws very quickly. Sorry, go ahead. And uh, oh, just like a more offensive pieces like Brandon Cooks, another guy who used to be on, who was also on the Patriots for just for the one year. But yeah, he, it's weird how much he gets passed around for like a pretty good player early in his career. Still, yeah, um, he's I mean, always he, in these he's big a games. Burner, and I feel like the Patriots having had him on their team for a Super Bowl team are pretty much aware of what he is capable of doing and are going to effectively take him away. I am more worried about the other lesser known quantities on the Rams offense like I would expect if the Rams are going to win I would expect like an 80 point game from Robert Woods uh or an 80 yard game at least from Robert Woods and like one of those tight ends that like I don't know their names to have an interesting like productive game and a lot of running backs out of the backfield yeah agreed and then on defense their plan obviously should be stop Brady by bringing the pressure which there's only one plan that works against him, yeah. Pretty much. And like we had mentioned already a little bit, you know, they have one of the best guys to do that. But also with, so getting on the pad side here, he hasn't, like I said also, he hasn't really been pressured that much lately. And like the the Chargers have some good pass rushers too. They weren't able to do anything. Will the Rams be able to? Yeah, man. Using Gronk as a sixth offensive lineman and then the amount of snaps they used Devlin on, they're just they're the Spurs. They're they're just ahead at being behind every time. It's like nobody uses a fucking fullback. Nobody pulls their tight ends into block anymore. Yeah, of course, of course, the Patriots are like going to win doing this. Yeah. So while getting on the Pats, what they need to do, obviously, avoid the pressure, avoid picks as much as possible, keep running their play action style, whatnot. They're a dink and dunk. I don't know if running like they ran the ball. Again, like you said, a lot against the Chiefs. I don't know if that's as good of an idea against the Rams. I would probably say not. Yeah. So maybe they should try to get the deep ball going a little more, but they don't really have any deep ball threats now. And Brady is old despite it still being good. So I would, yeah, I guess that might that might be back on how the Rams could get it done if they can stop the run and that uh, that that's mostly what the Pats have to go to. Yeah. Defensively, it's interesting. I'm not sure what the... Pats should do. They need their line. 
to hold the run down. And then once they do that, they need the second level to stay sharp on play action. If they can do that, they have a chance. Otherwise, the Rams are going to score like 43 points. And that's like what happened with the Eagles last year, basically. Yeah. So would that be the game you're going to say? Like if I said which which will the Super Bowl 53, which game will it most closely resemble of the other Pats Super Bowls, which one would you pick? That second giant Super Bowl, hmm. where like they used the same 07 playbook, they were in Brady's face, and it wasn't about how quickly the Giants could race them to more points, but the Giants took the things away from them they needed to and got some absurd play from Mario Manningham on the sideline to, to ice it. That's since we have nine years of historical data, that's the game that I see this resembling the most. Okay, that's interesting. The Rams the Rams do enough to stifle, if not shut them down, and are just like there at the end, ready to taking advantage. I like that comparison for what the Rams are this year. Like they they I think that's a good comparison for that year's Giants. Although they're a little more offensive based than them. But in terms of how the game could could see it going, I th- I might go that that it's will be like last year's game because how the games have been going this year and uh, and especially played in games these teams both played in it is going offensive so i do suspect it'll be another a big offense super bowl i mean it could i guess there's sometimes when one season goes all one way but then the final game is because it's so kind of random i guess it could be it could be a uh, defensive minded game but I, i'm just not really seeing it at this point yeah, I mean, it just doesn't seem like it's in the cards. Yeah. All right. So, who who do you think? Let's like, try to think of some other random stuff here. Who will be MVP if the Rams? I mean, it's always the quarterback, right? Uh, otherwise, I would say Aaron Donald or maybe Endemicing Sue. Yeah, Donald. If it's if they went on defense, usually it'd be the quarterback if it's got. I think it'd be interesting if it was like Brandon Cooks or something. Maybe it's maybe it is a shootout, but. Well, how, how would that even happen? It couldn't be a good defensive game or else it probably would go to the... Well, I guess it would happen like this. It, it's a decent defensive game, more than we think, but they win on like a couple of huge plays by Cooks or something yeah. like that. That's like the only way. Goff wouldn't get it. If it was a shootout, Goff would, will end up getting it or Brady converts. Or if both both teams score in the 20s, the Rams win, and they won because Todd Gurley carried 36 times for like 160 yards. Uh, in two touchdowns, like, I could see him getting the MVP. Oh, girly. Uh, yeah, all right. And um, are you prepared to make a pick? No. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't I, I don't understand this Pats team. I'm going to pick the Rams, and I'm going to be wrong again. All right. What's the score you're going to throw on this? Rams 34-29. All right. Now up to me. Well, so I was also thinking about this, like, again, this is definitely falls into the magical thinking thing, but, like, the Pets do kind of go up and down with these Super Bowls, so they won the first three, right, then they lose two, then they win two, then they lost one. Does that mean they're going to they're gonna lose this one because it's, like, win two, or lose two, win two, lose two, or now are they back on winning three in a row, and they're going to win this one, and then next year, too? If it's more likely, and I still don't really know what to pick in this, it's it's almost a toss-up for me. It does remind me of last year's game where they didn't win, but I will pick them this year. Uh, so I'll go against you on this, even though I hope I'm wrong. I say the Pats will win, and I think the final score is going to be 35-29. to 
let's say, will it be a shootout? I suppose it will be. 35-31 Patriots. Possibly an overtime game, but I won't say for sure. What a confusing year. Yes, I'm, not, I'm still just as confused as when we started. I mean, the year was so confusing, we didn't even start podcasting about this season until more than halfway through. Oh, you know what? I will amend my last my prediction. I, I'll say it will go to overtime because, although my, my final score wouldn't make sense in that case. I won't say it will go to overtime, but if it does, the Pats will win because the other thing I saw was Tom Brady has now been in, involved in three overtime games in the playoffs slash Super Bowl. And the other team has not touched the ball in any of those games. He's won all three coin flips and scored a touchdown on the first drive every time. Ooh, ooh, yeah. In Atlanta and last week. And when was the other one? Probably like early on. Uh, Atlanta last week and some other, I guess another, a non, another playoff game. I don't, I don't have it on hand. So. From like 2004. Yeah, could be. I, I do think it was more current though. Like I feel like these were all like in the past decade or something but uh, maybe not I don't know. no it, it has to be because it has to be after the rule change right yeah yeah where you can and well no it was sudden death before then yeah a field goal would have ended it that's true so yeah i don't know look it up at home listener all right well yeah so like we said we're we're confused but it won't be confusing to know what to do this sunday you'll be watching the super bowl of course you will I'll be watching it a little earlier than I'm used to as well. Again, with this uh, this whole new California thing, it's going to be at three thirty here. Do you have friends in LA? Like, do you have somewhere you can go? I don't know. I don't even know what I'm going to do to be honest yet. All right, all right. Let me know how that goes. Uh, all right, I was going to say move. you got you got someone for me to head up. So I <laughs> no, I don't know anybody in LA except uh, one guy who went to my high school who was in Inherent Vice as the guy who rides around in the car with Joaquin Phoenix. But I haven't talked to him since way before that, so he's probably way out of our league now huh all right i was gonna say this could be another someone good for me to meet regardless then but right right uh, all right just go to paul thomas anderson's super bowl party i mean what do you think that party would be i mean Maya rudolph would be there yeah it'd be a lot of comedians because his wife's a comedian and he's obsessed with like comedians all right you have like three days then to figure out where you know give me some more information on that all right i'll hook it up and i will that'll be a good late birthday present for me but yeah, what a better present would be is to subscribe to this damn podcast, people. Brooklyn Rebound Network. We're going to keep it going past the Super Bowl. I'm sure we'll do a wrap-up episode on that, but also we're going to talk more movies, our relevant stuff. You know, when Game of Thrones finally comes back, maybe we'll open up the small council again and soon enough. we got plenty of stuff to talk about. My body is ready. Young, uh, I forgot. Uh, we didn't harp on it too much this episode. What was your nickname again here, Young? Uh... It was the Hand of the King of the Pod. No, not, of course I know that, a pod, uh, sorry, uh, E-Nam, but I meant for this episode. It's always clavicle. It's forever clavicle. Yes, young clavicle. Yeah, of course, in honor of Tony Romo calling the Super Bowl. It's got to be young young clavicle for the, for the whole month of February. Let's make it. All right, young clavicle. Yep. That will do it for us this time, and we'll see you on the other side of Super Bowl 53. Peace. Productions.